Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When do you notice that the paper you're using is actually your skin. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello, Annabelle. Hello. Got something here for you. Oh, okay. Uh, in my pocket. Yeah. So last week I popped into Acast, who are the people who do the adverts for the podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I noticed something lying around. Yeah. And I said, can I have some of those, please? Yeah. And they said, yes. So would you like an Adrift sticker? <gasps> oh, I would. They made wow. our artwork into stickers. That's amazing. And were these just lying around for people to pick up and stick onto their books and stuff? Yeah, they were saying some of their employees have been sticking them on lampposts. No. Yeah. That's amazing. I'll be clear here, they do them for every podcast that they uh, oh, okay. th- that they have in their stable. It's still lovely. And um, I, I just want to point out as well, in case people start emailing us saying, can I have some? Yeah. I don't, I've, I've got five of these things. Right, okay. Uh, I don't have access to them i think they're promotional for advertisers but okay. isn't that great it's wonderful i'd get you one of those oh, a sticker wow um so i, t- I tell you what happened here this, this is my house this mm. weekend um sarah's cousin came around and it was quite exciting because she only has one cousin and i wouldn't go as far as to say as they're estranged right but sarah grew up in chicago and this cousin i think grew up in houston or somewhere so they yeah. they don't um, have a close relationship. There's an eleven year age gap, okay. so it was it was quite exciting. She came around yeah. and she was lovely, and um, you know Sarah did all the heavy lifting conversationally. Good, good. Apart from at one point she went to the loo, so I'm just sat in the kitchen with this cousin of Sarah's who's 27 years old, oh, okay. and I just don't have good small talk anyway. And then there's the generational thing. I think, what am I saying to this young person? Mm. I'm thinking, do I ask about MDMA? (laughs) Ketamine? I don't know what young people are into. And um, I sort of absentmindedly put my hand into my jacket pocket Mm. and I find these stickers and I say, oh, would you like a sticker? A sticker? Like she was seven? No. (laughs) Did she want it? I think she took it out of politeness. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. What's wrong with me? Do you want a sticker? Do you want a sticker? <laughs> That's some terrible small talk, isn't it? Kind of. And it's also a bit like, oh, it's a sticker with me on it as well. Yeah, no, no, what was I thinking of? It was just awful. Um, then Sarah comes back from the loo and then we're talking about some terrible small talk. I, I very quickly... Uh, realize i see the error of my ways and and realize that offering a 27 year old woman Mm. who has like a serious career in the natural gas industry (laughs) she's a trader (laughs) right a sticker like i'm the dentist (laughs) she's just had her teeth clean yeah um i realize what bad small talk it is so i highlight this and then we're talking about bad small talk and sarah told the story that once she was on a date with a guy who was a lawyer Mm. and she had nothing to say to him and in desperation she said so tell me about the law then the law (laughs) oh no it's great yeah and that's from somebody who's who's competent wow so you know if you're ever feeling bad about your 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 own small talk as an incompetent person just the, the people who are good at it have it tough sometimes 
I've told this loads of times, but my 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 low in that particular area. I was in a bar in Sweden with some um, these two women who were a friend of a friend. My friend had gone to the loo, and there's just this silence, like this silence. And I'm desperately trying to think of things to say, and I'm just looking around the bar, and I can't see anything interesting. And I just notice a steel girder on the ceiling, and my best small talk is, "Do you think if I jumped up, I could touch that girder?" <laughs> Did you do it? Well, yeah, because, I mean, they obviously weren't interested in whether I could touch the mm-hmm. girder or not, and they just kind of shrugged. Oh, but oh. but you can't then not follow through No, it. no. No, I'm not an athletic man. No, and you couldn't touch it, and obviously. I couldn't touch it, no, no. 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 So I just did like a sort of pathetic little bunny hop in the <laughs> middle of a bar while people looked on disdainfully. Mm. Uh, what else have we got to tell you about this week? Oh, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about middle-aged male friendship okay so somebody said to me a while ago they'd read this article about how men in their 40s um which of which i am one Mm -hmm. uh have a tendency to let their friendships slide and then sort of descend into loneliness in middle age i think i read that article and it can have real sort of mental health implications Mm. and also how bad people are at that age in making new friends and how difficult it is so with I've sort of had half a mind on this. Not that I'd, I'm sort of on the lookout for friends, but I've sort of, it's been in my mind. And then there's been a couple of times recently. Um, so so one was I did an event as a favour for an acquaintance of mine, Bruce, mm-hmm. and then afterwards he said, uh, "Oh, you know, can I can I buy you a meal in the future as um, as a thank you?" So we went out for lunch on Friday, me and Bruce, mm-hmm. and we had a very nice time. But here is my question. Mm about this Mm. um so if somebody says they're taking you out for a meal as a thank you when the bill comes Mm. how much of a song and dance do you make about um oh let me small one right that's all i did yeah small one so he went gesture of getting your wallet he got his credit card out i got my wallet out i didn't take a card out of the wallet yeah yeah i I let him go no no i'll get this yeah and ordinarily you get into the back and forth but you don't do the back and forth. No, no. back and forth. You did just the, right the wallet thing. out. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. rule. Good yeah, to know. Yeah. Uh, so that's male friendship number one. Mm. Male friendship number two um, is on another work thing a while ago. I met this guy called James mm. and it turned out that he lives near me and he said, let's, let's go and get a cup of tea. So I went and got a cup of tea with him last week. We went to and sat outside a cafe in the park and we had a nice time. He's very different to the type of person that I tend to knock about with in as much as he's like quite an alpha male okay like he he likes football um and and sport in general I think he's lived a bit of a a wild life Mm -hmm. but we we have a nice time we we sit and have a cup of tea for an hour and we we chat and whatever Mm. and then as as we're leaving walking down the street he says I've enjoyed this we should do this once a week oh okay and I'm thinking, like, I'm usually somebody who runs a mile at the idea of, sort of uh, doing something sociable with any regularity. Mm. But I've got this thing in my head about middle-aged male friendships and mm. mental health and all this. And I'm thinking, why not? Why, why, why don't I do that? I've just enjoyed myself. Mm-mm. I'm out of my comfort zone a bit. He's a different type of person to people I'm usually mixing with. But we found common ground and we had a good time. And, and I'm walking back. It's a sunny day, you know. Okay. And I'm walking back home and I'm thinking, yeah, I, I think I'm going to give this a go. Right. So I come home. Um, Sarah's in the kitchen. She says, how was that then? I said, do you know what? I, I, I quite enjoyed myself. And he suggested that we meet once a week. And and I go to say what I just said to you. And she interrupts straight away. And she goes, over my dead body. <gasps> what? And she says, if you've got an hour a week to spend, then you can spend it by taking Jean for an hour and letting me do other things you are no. not. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. not allowed to see him. No wonder middle-aged men are lonely. I know. Floyd and Annabelle Port are adrift with you which is saying something about you Annabelle you said there's been tumbleweed blowing through the email inbox this week I'd say it was you're slightly quieter sort of slightly yes I noticed it noticeably quieter then mm, what, mm. Do you think, what do you think that's I all about know. then I don't mind whether it was the inclement weather or the clement weather I mean it's been a mix isn't it so it's hard to say you don't think it's that people have run out of stories no okay. but, no but um, it, basically I mentioned this just to nudge you into emailing as we'd love to hear from you so uh, bad small talk is I mean have we introduce that specifically as a topic before no, but we now. need to you know if you can beat my would you like a sticker 
Mm-hmm. Um, to a 27 year old. To a 27 yeah. year old. Or do you think if I jumped up, I could touch that girder? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, these are the kind of uh, things we'd like to hear, hear, hear about your own sort of failings in small talk, as well as, you know, you just more generally your failed interactions, your neuroses around your relationships with other people and your own behaviour. Email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. So this is from Suzanne. She says, I've come across your podcast, sorry I'm late, and from listening to the first few episodes, I have to share my moment of not wanting to make a fuss. I started a new job in January this year, and during my third week in the job, a co-worker caught my hand with a scalpel. This made a relatively deep and painful cut, but she was engrossed in her work and didn't even notice. I didn't want to make a fuss, so I quickly put my hand behind my back and kept it there until she left the room, allowing blood to gush out onto the floor. Once she left the room, I grabbed a load of hand towels and applied pressure whilst attempting to clean the floor before running for the first aid kit. My other co-workers realised what had happened and thought I was a complete weirdo for allowing myself to bleed profusely just to avoid making my co-worker feel awkward about the fact that she had essentially stabbed me. There was now a running joke at the office that I am the overly polite one. But the co-worker who did the stabbing is still blissfully unaware of the fact that I almost needed (laughs) stitches due to her clumsiness. This is a moment that will embarrass me for the rest of my life and that I am reminded of every time I see the scar that she left on my hand. And I also had to throw away my blood-stained outfit but not before having to wear it for the rest of the afternoon <laughs> do you know the film um, national lampoon's european vacation i haven't seen it. i'm pretty sure it's a terrible film but i feel quite fondly towards it because it was you know i watched it when i was growing up but the, the, the scene with that just very much reminded me of the scene uh, with eric idol in that film if oh. people know what i'm talking about okay okay if not i'm not going to sit here and describe it okay i'm not going to do that thing we'll all go and watch it yeah. <laughs> Report back. Maybe we could do a sleepover. No, no. This is from the Viscount Liverpool. I wanted to share a story that still fills me with horror every time I think about it. It was brought screaming back to me by Jeff a couple of weeks ago when he mentioned he worked in a Windows company call centre because this is where my event happened. It was my first job out of school about 16, 17 years ago, trying to get a little money whilst at college and it was my very first day at work. As I'm sure Jeff will attest, I was given a list of names, almost certainly from the phone book, and told that I needed to speak to the person that was on the list specifically, as they were probably the person of influence in the household. So after watching a few of the experienced people do it for a bit, the senior guy next to me suggested I have a go and try and get on. After a few unremarkable knockbacks at trying to get appointments for that team, I came to the call that I will never forget. I called to speak to a man, but an elderly-sounding woman answered the phone. I asked to speak to the man. I was told I couldn't, but as I was told to speak to this specific person, I asked if I could speak to them. This time I was told he wasn't available. Not giving up and being young and eager to impress, I asked if they could let me know when he would be back so I could try again, to which I got the response I will never forget. Well, he won't be, as he died this morning. Uh, uh, Silence. uh, From me. And the lady was clearly the wife of the person I was trying to reach. And it seems to go on for hours, although I'm sure it was just 10 seconds or so. I had no idea what to say and just wanted to get off the phone as quickly as possible. I don't even know how I did, but I remember apologising for the call at least five times in less than 20 seconds as I hung up. To complete the story, I recounted the call to the person next to me. And he said, I should have tried to get an appointment with the lady instead. <laughs> and so I went in my job at a Windows call centre after less than two hours, as it clearly wasn't for me. I genuinely think I could get a job doing training of what you should do in that situation. Oh, well, what's going I mean, what you should say. Yeah, what is it, though? Unlucky. <laughs> There you go. Uh, also, <laughs> also, uh, congratulations on you for getting through the word specific twice, twice. in that email. How yeah. did I do? Marked out of 10. First time you did well, it. second time it was, it was, it was quite painful to I stumbled to. the second yeah. time. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, and this is from Chris B. York in Liverpool. I would like to share one of my many cringeworthy moments in the hope it will lighten the load a little. I am what I would describe as an introverted, painfully shy human being. Every school report I have begins by stating, Christopher is very quiet. And now I'm 36 and I would say nothing has changed. I've worked in a large office for the past 15 years and have always tried to avoid the routine social gatherings that come with the territory. On one particular Christmas about 10 years ago, an office party slash getting to know each other better event was arranged during office hours and I had no choice but to get involved. I did think, how bad can it be? I will retrieve some party food to eat at my desk, job done. 
Then came the dreaded news that we would be playing some games to get to know each other better, one of which involved my worst nightmare, public speaking. The game was to be a lie-to-me type game, each person telling three things supposedly about themselves, but only one was true. People then wrote down which they thought was true. This was announced in advance of the days we could get our stories together and would be based on fun or an achievement that people didn't know about you. I focused on the fun part and came up with my one true story and two lies. The day of the party arrived and the whole office sat around to play the game. This included all the high-up managers who were here to get to know staff better. My anxiety at speaking was already bubbling nicely when people started telling their stories. It became immediately obvious that everyone had focused on the achievement aspect of the brief. They began telling stories of how they'd had a piece in the newspaper about them or had an essay published. It's hazy, but I'm sure someone had saved someone's life. (laughs) My stories, however, were ridiculous and I was in absolute panic as everyone took their turn and it gradually worked its way around to me. I was desperately trying to think of something achievement-based, but in my panic, I couldn't think of anything. As it got to me and the person before me finished off telling a story about how they had a degree in some fancy subject, I had no choice but to read out my planned stories to managers and all. I delivered the following in a monotone voice and as quickly as possible as I could. One, I actually have 11 toes. Two, I was once given a black eye by a dog. Three, my initial B stands for Barrington. I t- I did get a couple of laughs, but of course my delivery oozed nothing for anxiety and I was exceptionally red-faced. I wanted the ground to swallow me. The truth was I was given a black eye by my dog Yogi as a child. I knew it, I knew it, I knew that was the one. I'd been trying to put up a basketball net when he came and stood on the plank of wood I was trying to lift, carrying an enormous bone for the butchers. I shouted Yogi and of course he turned quickly, hitting me in the face with the bone and giving me a huge shiner. It still makes me cringe. Are you a Beano character? That's what I thought. <laughs> I still, it still makes me cringe, but hopefully writing it down will help. Oh, that was so good. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Help us with our um, inbox deficit. You can email hello at adriftpodcast.com. You will be reminded of this show and this feeling. Adrift. When you wake up. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. Humble, humble, yes, yes. I'm humble. Yes. Uh, you have prepared a story, I, I take have. it? Yeah, I have. Otherwise, uh, this this section of the podcast would flounder. It would. Um, what's the subject this week? It's about how insane I was after having a baby. Okay. Now, I've only got one story, but it more than demonstrates the level of insanity. Okay. So, Rusty, our dog. Yes had him for two years and he sometimes goes out with a dog walker it's a lovely guy called jay he's very big and tall i probably take five steps to his one big stride he's youngish i'm guessing late 20s he's got dark hair he's good looking so what happened then (laughs) what do you mean i just think like so i think it's a lovely dog (laughs) yeah but i think there's been an incident with anybody who does that for a living oh well this is what i find so fascinating about him and that's why i'm only describing his appearance because that's the only thing i know about him like he very much keeps himself to himself like doesn't give anything away and i'm quite desperate to know more about him i'm gonna plump for lost his mind on lsd and never quite came back from right right and it lost it like his confidence shattered doesn't seem the type doesn't seem the type i just quite sort of healthy looking yeah, but that's him getting it back together. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's just usually or, or like some kind of city trader or got a bit much for them. Yeah, I think maybe that's more likely. Right, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm so mm. intrigued by him. I did once see him in the local park with his group of dogs. Um, and they, his group of dogs had met up with another two groups of dogs with their dog walkers. And two big dogs from these groups got into a big doggy ding dong over the ownership <laughs> of a particular stick. And all the other dogs started joining in. And even, <laughs> though, the, even though the two at the centre weren't Jay's dogs and they were big angry dogs Jay did one big stride over to them and separated them with one move of the hand it is one of the most masterful things I've ever seen <laughs> maybe absconded from the army or something yeah 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 I'm yeah. so fascinated yeah. foreign legion yeah yeah yeah, yeah. maybe French foreign yeah. legion yeah He's very, very polite, but as I said, he doesn't give anything away. He also doesn't ask any questions of me. It's a very professional relationship. Mm. But it's quite a strange relationship you have with a dog walker, isn't it? Because there's somebody that you barely know, but they've got a key to your house. And they go in when you're out, they take your dog, they bring them back when they're done. Though actually I am often at home when he comes. 
And it's rather unfortunate that Rusty, although he does love other dogs and he loves being out on the walk with them, he doesn't like being separated from his gang of me and Tom. Right. And he absolutely hates going in a car to the extent that he hides when he gets any kind of inkling that we're going somewhere in a car. And Jay picks him up in a van. So when Jay arrives, Rusty tries to hide, although badly. Don't ever bother playing hide and seek with him. <laughs> and then when Jay approaches with the lead, he cowers and has to be pretty much dragged out of the flat. So I feel bad for Jay always because it looks like that he beats him or something as soon as <laughs> the doors close. Whereas I know Rusty loves these walks. I've seen videos of him yeah. on them loving it. Anyway... In the first two weeks of the baby arriving, starting from when I went into hospital, we booked Jay to take Rusty out every day to wear him out and because we couldn't really do it. I mean, I couldn't barely walk myself for the first six weeks, so we really needed Jay. <laughs> and the day after I get back from hospital, I was sitting with the baby when I hear Jay come in the door. Rusty's doing his cowering, but I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking, oh, Jay hasn't seen the baby yet. And now, while I don't know much about Jay, I'd say in my more now sane mind, He's not the kind of guy who's very interested in babies. He's not one to coo over them. It's not right. his area of interest. But I'm at the stage where my baby is the only interesting thing in the world. So when he comes in the living room, I say, Jay, look, it's my baby. And I stand up with difficulty from the large foam ring I'm sitting on. <laughs> and I walk towards him and I push the baby in front of his face. And I notice two things, that he looks faintly horrified and also that he doesn't seem to know where to look. And he mutters a few kind of stock compliments, like all very sweet, but it's all very awkward, does it very awkwardly. But I don't take it personally because he's just not that kind of guy. And it's only when I think about this incident a few weeks later, when the insanity is waning slightly, that I realised that what I hadn't considered when deciding to show off my baby to the dog walker was that the baby at the time was attached to my breast as I'd been breastfeeding him. <laughs> so by showing him the baby, I was also showing him around 80% of my tit. <laughs> no wonder he looks so horrified. And this is yet one other reason why Rudy will be an only child. <laughs> Lasers. This is a drift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. I'm a DJ. We received an email from Colin Anderton who says, Hello, I was enjoying last week's podcast when something Jeff said caused me great concern. And more surprisingly, Annabelle didn't say anything. Oh. It was during rule school in Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. <laughs> right. I'm aware that we've all agreed that Jeff is the ruler of the rules hmm. and as such probably shouldn't be questioned. But I really feel that this is important. Please don't ban me. During one of the problems, Jeff said something along the lines of, you know when you go to the toilet and you forget to lock it and the lock's broken and then someone walks in on you? What? What's Colin wrong? says. What, what, what? I'm extremely disturbed, disturbed by this laissez-faire attitude towards toilet rules and I'm surprised Annabelle let it go. Surely any normal drifter who ends up with anxiety attacks about whether to hold a door open or not would consider someone walking in on them on the toilet to be on the par with the end of humanity. <laughs> this isn't just a get a new job rule. This is get a new identity territory. Could Jeff please rescind his previous statement and confirm that the the rule is that drifters must triple check all toilet locks and if the lock is broken get the hell out of there. Oh. I hope I haven't overstepped the mark here. Once again, please don't blacklist me. It's not like I've asked you to draw around your hand many hundreds of times. Well, I, 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 here's the thing. I am extremely relaxed about anything lavatorial. Mm. This is my problem. Mm. And it's in, it's partly born out of I am a slave to my bodily functions. So if when you talk about um, check the locks and if they don't work, get out of there, too late for me. As soon as my body realises it is within 50 metres of a toilet, it's already begun its its processes. Right, yeah. You know, the, yeah. the touch paper has been lit. Mm -mm. So... I, I, I know that other people, you know, can only go in their own house and, you know, they've got all this stuff around it, but I just don't have any of that because my body wouldn't let me. So I don't know who's in the right. Am I just to accept that Colin isn't the right and I should defer to other drifters on matters of uh, the lavatory? Well, I think what you can do is go to it and sort of, uh, with difficulty, keep the door closed while going but it's difficult. How long are your arms? Yeah, they're very long. <laughs> no, as I said, it's difficult. Well, you can, I mean, you can. Or you push a bag up against yeah, it if you've got a bag. Then there are other yeah, options. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I could relax, actually, if the door was, yeah, not, didn't lock I wasn't at all. I saying I was relaxed. No, 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 no. I mean, far, you never relax. When do you ever relax? No. <laughs> Sarah, um, a few years ago, we were on, on holiday in this place called Shelter Island in uh, close to New York. And uh, we'd gone for lunch in this somewhat fancy 
restaurant. You know, that is fancy, more sort of kind of cool. There was a real sort of beach scene going on at this place, which is not my scene, but it was quite a nice restaurant. Anyway, we're in there, and Sarah says, is that Courtney Love? And we look over, and at one of the other tables, Courtney Love is having lunch with two other people. So we're, like, gawping at her quite a bit, as you would. And at some point, she gets up to go to the toilet, and Sarah notices this and says, oh, I quite need the toilet as well. I'm, I'm going to go too, and then I'll, I'll see her while she's washing her hands or whatever. <laughs> so Sarah goes to the loo, and uh, Courtney Love isn't washing her hands. She must be in one of the cubicles. So Sarah thinks, oh, well, you know, there we go. I've missed my opportunity to look at Courtney Love close up, but I need to go to the loo anyway. So she opens a toilet door and it's the cubicle that Courtney Love is in. She hasn't locked oh. it. There's nothing wrong with the lock as it later turns out. She's just sitting there on the toilet. Whoa. So not quite slumped, but you get the impression. And the door opens and she just sort of stares at Sarah and doesn't close it. What? She just sits there like a prisoner Whoa. carrying on doing her business with the toilet door open. Wow. I mean, that takes something. That takes yeah. chutzpah it is what that it, takes. Doesn't it? Wow. It? Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks for that, Colin. Mm. Um, I should just quickly mention Patreon. Thank you to you if you support us on Patreon. If you don't, would you consider it for us? Go to patreon.com stroke adrift. How are you with titles at the moment, Annabelle? Yeah, I need to get on that. Maybe I'll set some time aside next week. We should probably do another Patreon-only bonus content thing soon. Yeah, we should. What about the one where we get my wife Sarah and your lover tom mm. to uh to do like a podcast where maybe where they answer listeners questions oh okay yeah let's do that okay yeah <laughs> it takes the responsibility away from us <laughs> when i first mentioned that when we started the podcast you were like dead set against it now yeah well you know you've been ground it's down a, it's an easy option <laughs> what about childcare though we'll have to we'll have to talk about this okay um anyway if you would because that's that's going to be happening soon then we're going to do the uh the partner's podcast um and the last one last time annabelle and i did it we didn't ask me anything so Mm. we could do and ask them anything yeah yeah uh if you go to it's just going to be questions like why did you spit in the bath that time isn't it it's (laughs) it's just going to be that at times 100 but at least we'll get an answer maybe uh go to patreon.com stroke adrift jeff lloyd and annabelle port in a show called Adrift. On to the incident, and I think this kind of again taps into my attempts to forge male friendships, but kind of not really. I tried to do something nice this week, and it went horribly, horribly wrong. Oh, okay. Do you know who I mean when I say James Ward? I do, yes. If you don't know who I mean, James Ward is is a lovely man. He created something called the Boring Conference, mm. whereby he, he gets... Um, hundreds of people in a room to listen to talks, short talks on very boring topics. Did you ever go to one? Yes, I did. It's brilliant. So what sort of things were they talking about at that? Um, somebody did a talk on, so you know you're in a London underground carriage and if you look up above each kind of glass bit, there are some numbers and someone did a talk on those numbers. Someone did a talk on a particular kind of cash register that they were um, fascinated by. That is that kind of thing. Yeah. And for some reason it's, it's brilliant. It's yeah. not the most boring thing, but they make it fascinating. Well, if people yeah. are interested and passionate yeah. about, about something, then it's it's interesting by default, even if I mean that's sort of the point of it. Anyway, James, James, I uh, I really like. I always he was one of the first people I followed on Twitter, and I think he's really quirky and lovely. And he organises this boring conference every year, and um, he he now has a podcast. The BBC make a podcast called Boring Talks, mm. which is a podcast for, which I highly recommend. Anyway, um, I also get the impression that James, like me, you know, it's, it sometimes all gets a bit much for him. Okay, and we're friends on Facebook, and I just really like the guy. And there was something in one of his posts recently, and and in in no way was it um, explicitly stated. I just thought, oh, I hope James is doing okay at the moment because mm-hmm. he's a good guy, and I hope he's doing okay at the moment. Mm. So I don't know him that well. We've never socialised. I bumped into him once in the street uh, near Euston Station, and I was so pleased to see him. I gave him a hug. And he... he, I've never known anybody recoil from a hug. It was completely inappropriate of me to hug him. And and because he's not a huggy guy, and it was was a very awkward interaction. Mm. 
So that's the relationship we have. Right. So what then possessed me? So I was just thinking about him. Thinking, I hope James is having a good time. He's a, he's a lovely guy. This boring conference had just happened. So so I just got the urge to send him an email, a, yeah. a message on Twitter, yeah. a private message. So I sent him this message. Okay. James! Exclamation mark. Mm. Just felt an overwhelming urge to let you know that I think you're great. Now, let's pretend this never happened. Okay. So that's what I wrote. Right. So it's just like trying to give him an I think a compliment out of the blue. What's what's better than that, really? Okay. Yeah. He writes back, Jeff, is this a cry for help? And and then sends me a link to the Samaritans. Oh. So I think what he thinks is happening is that I'm just like <gasps> going around telling people that I like them before oh, I kill myself. No. So anyway, I mean it was a completely misjudged thing to do. Oh. I tried to do something nice. As yeah. the saying goes, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm. Um, what should I have done? I, th- I think the only way to to solve this is to talk to James, and that's what I'm going to do oh. in this week's The Incident. <laughs> I think is the word that I would maybe terrifying is a bit strong but um, alarming was it alarming alarming it was uncomfortable alarming um, unexpected unwelcome (laughs) (laughs) but my my thinking was um, you just popped into my mind and I thought, James, there's somebody I like, but I'm not friends with in real life. But I get the impression that sometimes, you know, life can feel heavy to James. And wouldn't it be lovely for him just to get an unsolicited compliment out of the blue from somebody who hopefully he, he also feels warmly towards? It was just that it it came out of the blue. And then, I mean, I don't know if, should we, should we reenact or enact the conversation as it took place via Twitter. Yeah, so I kind of I talked it through with Annabelle, but maybe that would be good good therapy. I mean I've I've got the conversation up in on Twitter in front of me. Okay, let me just I'll, I'll do the same. Hang on. Should I I'll play me and you play you play you? I think or, so. It was or, the it was the part I was born to play. Um Yeah. So so yeah, I, I think it's it's the only way that we can get this done in a in a sort of convincing role play. So it was the, it was the seventh of May, and it was it was the evening, and yeah, I initiated by sending a message which said James exclamation mark, and I guess the exclamation mark could could be con- construed as being alarming. I said I said just felt an overwhelming urge to let you know that I think you're great. Now let's pretend this never happened. So then, so then I replied. Jeff, is, is this a cry for help? And then I sent you a link to the Samaritans website. So did you at that point think I was sort of saying my goodbyes to people before um, taking my own life? I just thought this is very out of character. This is very, um, it, it just felt weird. Is it about over-familiarity or is it your low self-esteem thinks that you're not worthy of receiving a message like that? It wasn't so much that. It was then, what are the next steps? I think that was the thing that troubled me. Yeah, and that's that's why I, I included the phrase, now let's pretend this never happened, because I didn't want you to feel under any pressure to, to respond in any way. But you kind of have to, don't you? You have to. I couldn't. I mean, if I hadn't responded to that message, mm. you'd have thought you'd have been really offended. So you you ask if this is a cry for help. I I say and yeah. send the Samaritans link. I say it's not. Uh, if I was on the precipice, I think I'd probably send some direct messages to score settle and apportion blame. Um, which yeah, I, I hoped closed it down. But then then you sort of continued the interaction. Then, well, then I asked. Um, well, if it was well, basically, I just asked if it was a genuine, unprompted compliment. To which I replied, "Yes." That's when everything went a bit difficult. Yes. Because shall I read my? Yes, yes, please do. So then I said, "Christ, what happens next? I'm, I'm meant to reciprocate, right? 
I mean, I appreciate the initial gesture, but I'm not sure if you were aware of the burden you were creating for me. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been enjoying the drift. I can't remember if I've subscribed to the Patreon. Is that what this is about? <laughs> I've subscribed to the Patreon. I didn't realise that things got that desperate. I mean, is that... Is that what this was? It hadn't occurred to me because I, I, I think my motivation was so pure. It hadn't occurred to me that somebody would think I was just after some kind of financial transaction. So I said, as my reply, I said, oh, God, this has gone horribly wrong. I just wanted to do a hit and run compliment. This is worse than that time I forced a hug on you. And uh, what I'm alluding to there is one of the most uncomfortable hugs of my life when I bumped into you near Euston Station and yeah. I felt again, you know, I was misjudging the, uh, the 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 closeness of our relationship because I mean the hug is the hug is still something that we need to address. I think later in the week, from memory, this was around a year ago, I think, and later in the week, I, I contacted you to apologise for the hug because I very much felt that I'd overstepped a mark. Yeah, um, I mean, I think probably if it had been anyone else, you would have probably understepped mark and it would have been <laughs> fine um i think maybe perhaps my mark is several steps before other people's marks so, so basically what we've got here are two manifestations of the same thing it's me being over familiar uh with with you in the future what what is the best way for me to deal with you if i want to communicate any kind of admiration or fondness we're gonna have to just Set up some sort of Google Doc, or um, yeah, some sort of admin system where you book in ahead of time. Probably, I'd say a minimum of two weeks, or at least um, ten working days. You book in a moment of um, emotional honesty, mm. uh, and then. I can I can sort of put that into my calendar and prepare myself. I reckon that's probably the best system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please join me in this bubble that has been forever locked in the glass by the blower. It's, it's their breath. It's horrible. Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Oh, I've got to go to the hospital this week. Oh, you're right. I've got to collect a blood pressure monitor that oh. I wear for 24 hours. Oh. So basically, I went for a medical checkup recently, and my blood pressure is always on the high side. And mm. now, you know, it could be getting to a stage where I need to take medication for the rest of my life. Really? Yeah, which oh. can lead to sexual dysfunction, Annabelle. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm yeah. glad, to be honest. I don't <laughs> think about that. Noticed, but, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, it's... Uh, so I've got to, would you consider hmm. wearing the blood pressure monitor for me? You know, like when people do urine tests and get somebody else to do it. I've got very low blood pressure. So they yeah. think he's fine. If anything, yeah. he needs yeah. a bit, bit more stress. He needs, he needs a bit of an oomph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I won't do it. 24 hours. Yeah. Is it one of those ones that inflates the whole time? I don't know. I I've, I've got to go to the hospital and collect it. And wow. I've got a piece of paper saying I'm not allowed to bathe or shower. Oh, well, that's nothing new. <laughs> You can, you can have your monthly bath the night before. <laughs> Mary, Queen of Scots, bathed twice a year and she was considered uncommonly hygienic. I was like, you've got a set answer. <laughs> you probably bath more than Tom, though. Um, so, so, yeah, I've got to go get this thing. And part of the reason is, and I've alluded to this uh, on, the, on the podcast, like I've put on so much weight. You haven't. Not no, no, I haven't. Not noticeable. No, in, in the, but that's what everybody says. 
Well, I haven't noticed. But then yeah. I must as I'm not looking. Yeah, but um, I think as my friend Beth says, like the, the same people who, when you lose a bit of weight, tell you you look great, are also the same ones when you put on weight. They say, oh, I haven't noticed. You just uh, can't believe anything any, anybody says to you in that well, department. I, I said a wrong thing the other day to a friend. In fact, it was on Saturday night. She was getting changed to go out. And she went, what do you think of this time? I went, oh, that's really flattering. She was like, oh, well, that just means that I'm fat. And like, and that's, that, 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 apparently that's a bad thing to say. Field. You should Don't never say, say anything. Don't no, say anything. No. Uh, which, which could at all be controlled. Right, you know, because <laughs> oh if you say, "Oh, if you lost weight," you're like, "Oh, so you thought I was a fat bastard before?" I mean, it's right. just that that yeah. thing. So anyway, the point being, I have in the past twelve months put on a, an embarrassing amount of weight. Okay. So if we if we do it in old money, sort of two and a half stone. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, like That's a lot. None of my clothes fit me. Oh, okay. So I had to go to. Um, so, so I'm in this quandary where I think I don't want to stay at this weight. I'll just lose the weight again. Mm. But it's going to take a bit of time. Summer's here now and none of my summer shirts fit me. Oh, that's not so good. So what, what do I do in this situation? Buy some new ones. But I don't want to spend a lot of money on mm. clothes that are going to look like tents on me in, in a few months' time. Yeah, oh, that's right, next summer. Yeah. So what I decide to do is go to Henny's where clothes are cheap yeah. and, and buy f- five baggy shirts. Okay. Now, I know what you're thinking, Jeff... A man in his mid forties has no business shopping in H and M, and you're right. I don't think you're that. right. No, I don't think. Yeah, that. that's because you haven't come to terms with your own aging. I don't, I don't think that. Annabelle, nobody over the age of thirty five has any business being in H and M. Thirty five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I thought I'm going to do it anyway because the clothes are cheap. Okay. Uh, so so I go to H and M and I pick out some baggy shirts. Anyway, as I'm browsing the racks. Um, a young woman, I'd say young, probably in her 30s, comes up to me, says, hi, could you tell me where the swim, swimwear section is, please? What, do you think she worked there? Yes! Why? Isn't that great? Why is that great? Oh, because you look like a young, cool person. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't see... She, she must have thought you were managing director from Swindon <laughs> or something. Like She wouldn't have thought you were or just... one of those sympathy jobs where they give somebody a job, <laughs> like, sorting out the post. <laughs> she wouldn't have thought you were just, like, a Saturday person. No way! <laughs> Wow. Yeah, you must so, have looked young. So I went in feeling very bad about myself, yeah. yourself, you know, having to buy these baggy shirts because of all this weight I've put on. And I came out thinking, oh, my God, a complete stranger <laughs> thought I was employable by a company like Henny's. <laughs> if you know where you're going, it doesn't matter if the location is going in that same direction because you're already making the move. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Adrift. Okay, time for uh, the Quandary Corner. Rules okay. rule School. Yeah. At, uh, at the Galap Clinic here in Problematic. Mm-hmm. What do we have? This is from Grand Chief Lee. After suggesting the name, I think Quandary, yes, Quandary Corner he suggested. I now have a quandary for the feature which I originally suggested. Well, he suggested Hang on, the you name. didn't suggest a feature. Let's, let's, <laughs> getting carried know, away, Lee. Get ahead of yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Last... You know, success has many fathers and all that. But... Yeah, yeah. Last weekend, I took the short journey from where I live in Portsmouth over to the Isle of Wight on the hovercraft. All good so far. After I settled in the hotel, I thought I would get out and about and get a 48-hour bus ticket and go around the island. Anyway, I ended up in Shanklin and after a while, decided I would go back to Ride where I was staying. The bus turned up, and as most buses on the island, it was a double-decker. As we rarely have these over in Pompey, I decided to go onto the top deck, and to my surprise, one set of the two seats at the front was empty. I thought that was a bit strange, as there were others on the top deck, but I thought I got lucky, so I went and sat there. Within a minute of sitting down, an elderly woman starts chatting to me. As a shy person who tries to avoid interaction with anyone I don't know, this makes me feel very awkward, but I thought I would just try and make polite conversation. Anyway, she asked me if I was on holiday or lived there, where I was staying, etc. I politely answered all her questions with the realisation that I was now trapped in conversation for nearly an hour after looking at an app to see how long the journey was. (laughs) As I now told her where I was off to, plus the fact I was getting back to meet a mate, I couldn't get off the bus and then wait for another half an hour for another bus. I appreciate that she was probably just a bit lonely and chatted to everyone, but I got the impression that she was quite well known for this and some of the conversation was, shall we say, repetitive and some of it made no sense. And even trying to limit replies to one or two words did not stop the conversation. I was very conflicted as I was brought up to be polite, but at the same time it was so awkward and I really didn't want to carry on. I don't even like the small talk shop assistants sometimes get you involved in for a couple of minutes, let alone an hour on a bus. 
How should I have reacted in this situation to avoid it for next time? What do you think? I think... <laughs> my, I, I tell you my honest initial thought. Just look at her and start, shut up! <laughs> I can't believe I thought that. I don't, I don't want to recommend that at all. Yeah. I think... Put headphones on. I don't know. Uh, yeah, say yeah. I've got all. I've got. There's nothing you can no, do. No, 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 you no. can't say you've got a terrible. There's no, every excuse I can think of. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. You just have to put up with it. I just, I just think this, this is what it is to be a drifter. And yeah. you know, you have to suffer people like this. Oh, if you're a different kind of person, like my wife, for example, you, yeah. you would just close it down. But uh, it's, it's not in our, it's not in our remit. I think I've thought of something. Go on. So it's a double decker bus. Yeah. Why not say, oh, it's my stop now. Get off. Because he's already mentioned where he's going in the conversation. Oh. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I'm ahead of you because that was my first Go thought. To the bottom deck, pretend to be yeah. asleep. Yeah. Oh. oh, fall asleep. Pretend you've got um, narcolepsy. Say, oh, just to let you know, I've got narcolepsy. So if I fall asleep, don't be offended. That's that's actually good. It's good. Okay, okay, we'll have that. <laughs> okay. okay, there yeah. we go. Problem solved. Next one. Yeah. This is from. I have before now, so I know it's a slightly different situation because you're not side by side but i've been in a taxi before now where i've been in a a conversation that i'm not enjoying with the Mm, driver mm, mm. and i've texted my wife yeah and said can you call me oh that could work yeah uh then when they're sitting close next to you they might be suspicious they couldn't hear you yeah no here's what here's what you could say okay i've got it i've got it this is this is an ingenious solution great you need to say to it, will you just excuse me a minute? I just need to text my friend to let him know what time the bus gets in. Yeah. What you actually text your friend or whoever yeah. is leave it three minutes and then call me. I'm stuck in an awful conversation with a stranger on a bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then do you have to sp- spend the rest of the time speaking, like the hour speaking to a friend? Nope. No, you can pretend. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. You can, say, you can even say in your text message, just let it ring three times. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. There we go. Yeah. Solved. There should be a secret button on phones to make them ring. There must be an app. Yeah, but I mean, you'd have to open the app, though, wouldn't you? Mm. No, this is a brilliant idea for an app. This is a brilliant idea for an app. So it's an app that you open it and you tell it to wait a number of minutes before doing the ringtone. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it doesn't look like you've just opened an app and made your phone ring. Yeah, yeah. You, it's like setting a timer. Yeah. Say, I want the I want the ringtone to go off in this many seconds. Perfect. And then you put it back in your pocket. Yeah. Two minutes later, it starts ringing. And then you have this sort of pretend conversation. And you can even, like when you're once you're on the phone, you can say to the person sitting next to you, I'm sorry, this is private, and then move to a different seat. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. You can say something like, so so what happened in the operation? Oh, yeah. like something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There we go. There oh, we go. We brilliant. got there in the end, didn't Phew, we? Yeah. yeah. I'm really glad that's been sorted out. Yeah. Okay. Right, let's move on to Jay's problem. One Saturday evening, I was out for a few beers with some friends at a newly opened bar slash pub slash hipster microbrewery in Hackney Wick. It's called The Beer Merchants, by the way, and is actually very good. Anyhow, as we sampled our way through the 600 plus types of beer available, someone let off this absolutely vile stench. Initially, we ignored this horrible social faux pas, but then the same thing started happening every five to ten minutes. Eventually, one of my friends brought up the subject of this smell. After conferring that it was definitely not one of us, we deduced that it must have been from one of the guys sitting at the table next to us who were happily chatting away without a care in the world. My friends briefly discussed if we should say something, but I don't think any one of us knew how to address such an awkward situation. I mean, how would you start that conversation? Hi, guys. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but would you stop farting as you may cause one of us to have an asthma attack? Uh, <laughs> hi, guys. Uh, can anyone smell gas? Uh, hi, guys. Uh, excuse me, uh, but is there a dog under your table that keeps letting it off? In the end, we didn't say anything and continued to suffer as there wasn't anywhere else to sit. What would you have done in this situation? I expect Jeff may be best place to answer this, as he's no stranger to breaking wind in public. Well, I think it's bad etiquette of the person to just be letting one go in that situation. But you can't do anything. It's difficult because, I mean, the one who smelt it dealt it. Exactly. You, so, you, know, you risk yeah. exposing yourself but then, so as they, the one who dealt it. They can go, the one who did the rhyme did the crime. Yes, but mm. then, then you know, they could <laughs> counter that with um, who, uh, who denied it supplied it. <laughs> So, you know, you just... 
Oh, it's so challenging. It is, it is. I'm not sure we'll ever ever get the answer to this. I was once in um, an Uber or a minicab or something with my dog and the dog farted. Right. Or at least I think the dog farted. Right. Well, it might have been you, you don't know. But don't you think there's a real sort of stalemate, almost Schrodinger's cat, not quite Schrodinger's cat, but there's a situation there where the driver thinks it's either the dog or me, and I think it's either the dog or the driver, and nobody Uh, really knows, apart from the dog. (laughs) Yeah. Which is quite a good situation to be in, because... I don't know if I can really tell the story, because it doesn't really go anywhere. So so last week I went for a meeting, Mm. and I was running... I, I always like to be very punctual and I was nudging up against uh, it would have been a situation where I'd have been late so I got an Uber there mm. as I was in the Uber and the windows were open and, and what have you but involuntarily because I'm not completely in control a little gas seeped out okay it's a nice way of putting it seep but I, th- I think people are under the impression that this stuff is is always you know, you're always in control of it. You're not sometimes. Okay. If if you have a live, if it's all a bit lively down there, okay. like okay. it is with me. Okay. And as I age, I have less and less control. You don't need to say anything more. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so then I thought, what do I do in this situation? I, I wound down the window a little more, but I thought, do I acknowledge it? Because there's no way the guy didn't smell it. Mm. Um, but then to bring it up, would be a strange thing, right? Mm, mm, mm. So I just sat silently and pretended like it didn't happen. But would he then be well in his rights to give me a lower rating as an Uber driver because I'd let that happen? Maybe that's why your rating isn't as high as it should be. No, I'm not going around doing this all the time. <laughs> this, this was... The one-off. Yeah, it was a one-off. Things things weren't going great down there that day. Okay. But if I was able to explain to him that it was involuntary, maybe he would take pity on me and not give me a lower Uber rating. Please don't ever try and explain it and, and then say, don't, don't, please don't reduce my Uber rating. It was involuntary. I'm sorry, I'm going to wrap this conversation up up here. I've said enough. Okay, okay. I know people don't like this. They don't. You know, maybe we could organise some kind of event where people who are interested <laughs> in my activities in that department. Oh, my God. We could just have like like a little group, like an AA meeting. Okay. Just you and a few other people. Like Lively Bowel Anonymous. Right, okay, okay. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening to it. Um, With regards to Quandary Corner there, if you do have a social situation uh, in which you you don't know the rules of behaviour, let us know about it. Tell us the story and we we will be able to answer the question. Just email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com and the same email address as well if you want to tell us about your own ineptitude. You're trying to behave like a proper person, but doesn't go well for you as we've said before it's, it's walking around pretending to know what you're doing uh, and everybody else seems to just do it effortlessly it seems to come naturally to other people oh and um, and terrible small talk let's throw that mm, out yeah. as a topic as well thanks to man and the echo for the backing music and to emily harrison for the incidental music during the incident and special thanks this week to james ward for for getting it getting into it with me about our uncomfortable interaction. James is really quite brilliant. You can follow him on Twitter. He's, he's not as prolific as he used to be. I think, like a lot of people, he thinks Twitter's turned into a viper's nest and uh, <laughs> he's, he's not on there so often. But when he is, it's always great. But I would recommend that you look up his writing. He had a great book uh, a couple of years ago called Adventures in Stationery. Um, and his, his podcasts are great as well. They're called The Boring Talks from the BBC. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox... Uh, are our announcers and made our eye dents. You think that Simon, who is a she Simon, not he Simon, mm, mm. you think she calls you Annabelle Poor? Yeah, there's no T on the end. It's like, I'm just poor. But I think Annabelle it's just her poor. accent. I know, I know. It just swallows the T a bit. Yeah, it's fine. I didn't it wasn't. Yeah. Do you know what uh, poor, means, uh, poor means in Swedish? No, what does it mean? Porn. No, Annabelle Porn. Yes. Oh, well, that's what she's trying to Maybe say. so. Yeah. Um, unlikely, though, I think. Mm, yeah. Given uh, knowledge of the situation. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Uh, it'd be a weird kind of way of <laughs> communicating it'd be very strange um, Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support Kim Rainey 
made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Please support us on podcast if you uh, sorry. Please support us on Patreon, I should say, uh, if you don't already. Annabelle, you're really going to get on it with the admin yep. every day now, so you'll yep. be giving out some new titles. I will, and uh, we're going to put some this. We're going to start getting it together to do the podcast with Sarah and Tom, answering mm. your questions. But you will only get that if you are a Patreon subscriber. Go to patreon.com stroke adrift and finally thanks to Annabelle's dog walker what was his name Jane for showing some restraint and not asking to see the other 20% (laughs) Adrift Adrift Podication time Annabelle Great. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like a podcast, by the way, you can email us. Uh, hello at driftpodcast.com. This comes from, would you say this is Gobel, G-O-B-E-L-E? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Francis Gobel, who says, hello. 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 I'm sure you won't remember, but you read out a story for us a few months ago. It was the one in Hawaii, and the waitress asked, what kind of Dr. Pepper? Remember it well. Yeah, I do. And I remember there being a story involving Hawaii mm. is, is the extent of my memory, but oh, that's okay. no, no reflection on the quality of the story, okay. just the quality of my memory. Uh, the story sounds lame when I put it like, no, it doesn't sound lame. It's, I didn't mean it's it like that. It's a good story. Um, I'm sure it was a good story. I just don't remember it. Do you want to recap? Oh, I can just remember how the... She said, what kind of Dr. Pepper? And she's like, well, there are different types of Dr. Pepper. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't, you see, we're not doing it justice now. I almost feel like we should dig out the original email. It was kind of it was really early days, like when definitely the top the first ten podcasts, even earlier, maybe. I'm going to not even earlier. Let's start this again. I'm going to start this okay. again. Yeah. All right, this comes from Francis. I think it's Gobel, G O B L E. Yeah. Who says hello? Hello. I'm sure you won't remember, but you read out a story a few months ago. It was the one in Hawaii, and the waitress asked, "What kind of Dr Pepper?" Do you oh, remember? Do remember, remember it well? well. Yeah. It must have been in the first few podcasts. It was really happened. early on, surely, yeah. Uh, anyway, just had a couple of things to say. Number one, thank you very much for reading it. It made me gush with excitement and disbelief. Thank oh. you for oh. sharing the story. Yeah. Uh, number two, since then, we actually happened to see a can of cherry Dr. Pepper. No. It really happened. What? In the chilled drinks to go section of a garden centre. <laughs> what? <laughs> No, there was that. No, God. Um, obviously, we bought one. Yes, just one. One can between. There's nothing too extravagant. <laughs> and then kept it uh, in at least several days, maybe even a week or so, before we had occasion special enough to drink it. <laughs> it was quite good. Oh, so what I'm thinking of trying. Oh yeah, what? Quarter of a glass of Coca-Cola. Yeah. Topped up with. Yeah. Milk. That's disgusting. And you should be ashamed of yourself. Do you want to know where I got the idea? Oh, you didn't think of it yourself? No, and it's your fault. What? I was looking at a cookery book that I've owned for a long time. I used to talk about it on the radio quite a lot. And it's a cookery book that you got me in the first place. Oh, yeah. Cooking Like Mummy G yeah. by Vicky Bogle. And it's she not was... in that. It is in that, yeah. It's not. It is in that, yeah. I'm getting rid of it. So it's a... <laughs> disgusting. Basically, it's a cookery book oh. uh, written by... Um, this woman, Vicky, whose parents, I think, were first-generation Punjabi Indian immigrants. And it's about the way that that generation, when they arrived in Britain, they would incorporate British ingredients because they didn't have the things they were used to at home. So you get all these like wonderful mash-up meals, um, like sort of spicy baked beans. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, a pasta dish that I'm still obsessed with, like 15 years later. Oh, that's got some it. Turkish influence in it yeah, as well, yeah, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's a really good book. And she says when they were kids, and she, she says actually all Indian kids of her generation um, would drink Coca-Cola with milk and they find it weird that Westerners no, don't do it. really? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to try it. I'm not. I know you're not. No. Um, where else are we up to? Number three, for Mothering Sunday, my husband got me a brilliant present on behalf of our two children. Uh, we do have kids, otherwise it'd be weird for him to give me a Mothering <laughs> Sunday gift. You know, John Lennon would call, he called Yoko Ono mother. Oh, did he? That's his name for her. Oh, a bit weird. Yeah. Mm. Um, he lost his own mother when he was quite young. Oh, even weirder. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he gave me Annabelle's book. Oh, 
It was a wonderful surprise, Good, as God. I didn't even know it existed. Whoa. I opened it up and found a handwritten letter to me and a personal wow. note and found my name in the back of the book. He'd supported the book in my name. I've since read it and thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, yay. I definitely recommend it. Yes. It was a great read and an excellent yes. gift. Yes. Didn't you say your mother's asked uh, some of the uh, local bookshops to start stocking it? She's going. She's going into the Waterstones in South End to demand they stock multiple copies, and she wants them to do a local author display in the window. When was the last time you lived in South End? I've never lived in South End. I live forty <laughs> miles away now. Um, on the twenty first of this uh, May this year, what day is it today? Not quite that, but well, it's, it's going to be. It? By the time this comes out, that's kind of ish around then. Okay, uh, on the twenty first of May. Ish. Hang on. I, I just skipped two paragraphs. Okay. I heard you say ish and then looked for the word ish on the sheet and okay. got ahead of myself. Okay. Um, on the 21st of May this year, it will be our seventh wool wedding anniversary. Mm. So I'd love for you to put a cake to my fantastic husband, Daniel, from Francis, and our two cute monkeys, Isaac and Dilly. Oh, Dilly, Isaac, Monkeys. I love those Those are great names, names actually, yeah. really good names. Very strong naming game you've got going mm. on in your household. Um, do you... I was about to ask you an insensitive question. I forgot you weren't married. Oh, really? I forgot you were living, is it called Under the Broom? In Sin. In Sin. Mm. I was about to say, do you bother with that? You know, like it's your plastic anniversary, it's your polystyrene oh. anniversary and all, oh, no. it's your wool anniversary. No. Because Sarah, Sarah does that. She always, on our oh. wedding anniversary, gets us something pertinent to the material. I don't know people whereas, do that. Whereas yeah, I, I don't do that because oh. it's too much effort. <laughs> like wool's an easy <laughs> maybe one. Maybe it narrows it down, narrows it, the, the present yeah, ideas down. it does. Maybe, but it, gives, maybe it gives your framework rubbish. to work yeah. in, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think you'll remarry? No. Never? No. Do you think it'd be nice for, you, for Tom to... No, I've done know it once. I mean, I, I, um, to quote the Joni Mitchell song, I don't need no piece of paper from the City yeah. Hall, keeping us tight and true. But it's something to... I just think a wedding is something to do, isn't it? Yeah, but I've done it once. And that's also, right. I don't want to be twice divorced. I feel that's a bit... Mm, <laughs> so I'd just rather be once divorced. <laughs> also, it's, it's nice to be described as a divorcee, isn't it? I oh, I hate that. <laughs> That's still my marital status. Really? Yeah, you're on a form. Like, I can be single, uh, married or divorced. Wow. There are forms where I just think, well, I just refuse to fill that in because I refuse to identify myself by a one failed marriage. Why can't you go go back to divorced? I mean, single. Why can't you just default back to yeah, single? Yeah, I suppose. I'm, well, then I'm, I'm not. I don't consider myself to be single because I'm with somebody. Oh, I see. So they need a living in sin option, really, yeah, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I don't wow. always have that. No. Living in sin option. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't hate think that. of it as a failure. No, no. It's... <laughs> you use the phrase failed marriage. Well, yeah, it is, it is a failure because it didn't work out, so it's a fail. But it, it lasted for how long it was meant to. Maybe it's a bit what, longer. What a beautiful but... way of putting it. <laughs> Let's move on. Look at you now, though, Annabelle. Yeah, look, look at me at now. You now. Look at me You've now. You've got your handsome young lover. Mm. got a dog. Got a dog. got Rudy, his chubby little cheeks. Dog walker. got it all. <laughs> Living the dream. Um, since it's the wool anniversary, feel free to weave in any wool-related puns. Oh, Easier said than done. I don't do puns. No, I'm not a big no. pun person. I'm a bit woolly when it comes to things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what would be a great present for what? you, a woolly mammoth. That'd be a great present. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, aren't they nearly there with the... the uh, aren't they nearly there with the technology to bring woolly mammoths back from extinction. Two days away, apparently. Damn! Yeah. When's the 21st? We've still got a few days. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Francis says, anniversary is genuinely terrible, <laughs> but the best I can come up with. No, that'll do for me. <laughs> I feel a bit sheepish that I can't think of any more. <laughs> oh, come on! That was good! You're just ignoring it. Don't ignore it. Please don't ignore it. I'll pack another pun in before we finish. <laughs> That's what you were doing. You were trying to think of one. You were trying to think of one. It took you ages. No, but it was really classic that I didn't go for a sheep, that I went for an alpaca wool. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, there's... You had to ram that one in, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can carry on doing this. No, I know, this. I hate myself. Yeah. I don't even carry on with life. <laughs> I hate myself so much. <laughs> uh... Um. Also, I realise that this may be far too late notice to get it done by the 21st-ish of May. There's that ish. 
In which case, I totally understand if you end up keeping till May 2019, which a quick Google search tells me eighth wedding anniversary is bronze or pottery. <laughs> oh. So even harder to mould in some puns. <laughs> We've got a year to do it. Yeah. Uh, but we uh, have a year to think of some. And obviously your book reference will be rather out of date. Here's the thing about publications. We will endeavour to uh, to get them done quickly. If you put yeah. in the subject line, urgent, Like we, we tend to be able, you know, a lot of people just want them whenever, so we can often rush them in at the last minute. Yeah. But it, you have to get them in before the Sunday because that's when you check the email, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Well, well done. Um, congratulations. Seven years. Great. Let's hope that it's not the itchy kind of wall. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Mm. Yeah, no, you'll be fine. Yeah. I just know it. Yeah. Um, that is the latest edition of the podcast, podicated to... I I um, I really like the sound of Daniel. Me too, yeah. I like what he did with my book. Yes, that, that was yeah. what I'm basing it, it on, really. reflects well on him, doesn't and it? And those names reflect well on them as a couple, yeah. 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 Um, all right, there we go. It's the latest edition of the podcast, and it's podicated to Daniel from Francis and, uh, and, uh, and also from... Those two cute monkeys, Isaac and Dilly. And there will be another podcast next week. If you would like a podcast, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. You did something for the first.